Welcome once again to the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Bretos. This is episode 72, a special U.S. Men's National Team recap show. As always, a reminder to please rate, review. Thank you for those who have sent me tweets, send it to Max Bretos Sports, of your ratings. It means a lot. It helps me grow this podcast. It helps the distributors put them in better areas. So it means a lot. So do it. Rate, review, share, tell a friend, and thank you for tuning in. And we're going to keep it going. We'll have one here at the end of this USA-Morocco game, and we'll have one after the USA-Uruguay game. A reminder to check out the Soccer OG on YouTube under my name, Max Bretos. We have a new video recapping USA-Morocco, and you'll hear different things there than you'll hear today with my guest, former U.S. men's national team, international Christopher Sullivan. Uh, our video from the World Cup was a huge hit, so we're bringing him back, and I recorded that earlier today, and it was phenomenal. Christopher knows his stuff. Incredible mind, and we will have a lot of fun in the process, not just talking about the U.S., we'll talk about Morocco, we'll talk about what's going on in the world stage. This was a huge day, and we'll break it all down for you. There will be no stoppage time, as we'll focus specifically on that, that window of international games. And uh, it's great to be with you. So let's get this show on the road, shall we? To use a word by Dan Thomas, shall we? Let's go. By the way, before we get started, check out the Derek Ray podcast, episode 71. It was awesome after I, I kind of jinxed Scotland, but Derek posted a photo on his Twitter of him with his father watching Scotland, Ukraine. I wish it could have ended better, but I know Derek could take... Uh, a little satisfaction in the historical significance of what Ukraine were able to do. Great, great moment for the neutrals. We move on. It's now down to Ukraine or Wales to see who will play the United States. You see, it's all interconnected. Soccer OG, let's go. Well, I was looking forward to the Wednesday, which featured uh, USA-Morocco and some World Cup qualifiers, and it's going to be a fun couple weeks ahead as we we firm up the World Cup field. We still haven't firmed it up. I mean, it's June. Let's go. Let's go. We're going to have Christopher Sullivan here in the business, and you're going to really enjoy that conversation. We uh, go over a, 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 a varied amount of topics. Just a quick word about what we saw here, and I know People want to diminish and say it's a friendly, and we talk about this with Christopher. This wasn't a friendly. This was a friendly plus, a little bit extra. This was a dress rehearsal, not just for the United States. It was also for Morocco. I had some friends, and we were talking about the pecking order of African football. I have Morocco. I had Morocco at the top until Senegal had an incredible spring, uh, qualifying for the World Cup, and also winning AFCON. So Senegal is number one. And... I put Morocco at number two. I would put Algeria at number two, but they didn't qualify for the World Cup. Algeria was a team I thought could maybe make that breakthrough that we've waited for African football. And by the way, we've waited a long time. We've said Africa is the sleeping giant. And all due respect to African football, and I enjoy watching it, and the players have made huge breakthroughs playing for the biggest clubs, playing in the biggest games. It's time. And... I look at this Qatari World Cup and the ingredients are there for African success. It would have been better if Algeria was there. It would have been nice if you could have had Egypt in addition to Senegal. Although I think Morocco is a better team than the Egyptians. 
Hakeem Ziyech is a guy that they would obviously need, and we don't know if that's going to happen. But uh, Morocco, Tunisia was a bit of a surprise. I don't think they're going to make a, much noise there. Perhaps Cameroon. Ah, it's Look, we had it in 1990. Cameroon made the quarterfinals. We're a sliver away from making a semifinal. Same for Ghana in 2010. And we keep saying that this is going to happen. And we know the organization of Europe is overwhelming when it comes to teams succeeding in the World Cup. We saw that in Russia. But playing in guitar, as we've seen in past World Cups in South Africa and Korea and Japan, makes it a little different. Makes it a little different. Those World Cups opened it up for other regions, other countries. So hopefully that happens. An African team doesn't have to win it, but maybe a semifinal. Finally, a semifinal would be on offer. Although I have a few doubts after seeing the United States rip through the Moroccans. And uh, what a great game that was. And a liberating moment for the U.S. men's national team as they didn't have to f- face a low block. You you watched right away. And you're like, okay, this is different. This is a U.S. team able to f- stretch out its legs, flex some muscles, show what they can do in the attacking end, show how they can interchange. And I can tell you that is a result that uh, sending... People all over the world will notice it because Morocco is a good team. Morocco is a World Cup regular. They've won groups in the World Cup. Was it 1986? I think they won their group. And uh, this is a, a shocker. I think in Mexico, I saw them talking about it. And they're going, that starting 11 beat Morocco 3-zip? Yes. So fantastic moment for the United States. They got to build off that. It was a great moment for Greg Berhalter. He, he shuffled things around and it worked. And upwards and onwards. Take on Uruguay. Get the most out of these games. Because this is going to be really without a real camp before the World Cup. This is it. The good news is everyone's on a level playing field. Although, European teams in September will get better games. Because of the Nations League. And it's hard to keep up with that. Look, Argentina gets a game against Italy. They kind of, they invented the finalissima. And uh, a word about Argentina and how inspired that's the team I want if I had obviously I would like to see the U.S. win a World Cup but if there's a great story I want to see it's Argentina winning it and the love affair that this group with Lionel Scaloni has for Lionel Messi and they keep winning they beat Brazil in the Copa America they could beat anybody and when you look at that starting 11 I don't know how they do it but they are doing it so to me the ingredients with the, the venue with the teams that are percolating with me, there is a, a, a legitimate feeling that this is going to be a unforgettable World Cup. Maybe one of the best World Cups ever. I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but I think the ingredients are there. Whether it ends up that way, whether we have classic games, whether we have controversy, controversy is good. So I love Luis Suarez. Provides controversy <laughs> in World Cups, which uh, gives us something to talk about. So a lot there. Enjoy it. This is good. It's going to fly by. We're going to be kicking things off November the 21st before you know it. Soccer OG is a great place for you to get your information. We'll continue to have great guests. Check out the Soccer OG on YouTube under my name, Max Bretos. New episode just published. Check it out right now. And check out the great library of podcasts here for your listening pleasure. Coming up, it's the business end. Joined by Christopher Sullivan. We will break down everything and anything about the U.S. men's national team. And also a nice word for Ukraine who shocked the world, and we're very happy to see that. Sorry, Derek. Hopefully we get Scotland in 2026. Let's go. 
back here on the Soccer OG, and it's always a thrill. And I get very excited when I get to have a conversation, whether on the air or off, with the great Christopher Sullivan, former U.S. Men's National Team player and world traveler, uh, cosmopolitan extraordinaire, and former broadcast partner on Fox. Christopher, good to see you, my friend. I know you got up, up and early to, to do this. Yeah, great to be with you again, to be with the legend, Max Bredos, and, and I'm looking forward. You know, it's 170-plus days to the World Cup. I'm preparing, you know, to be there in Doha. I've been in Doha. Fortunately, two years out of the last four and five would have been there more if we didn't have the pandemic. So um, preparing, doing the deep dives for the World Cup, and last night gave us some promise. You know, the, the U.S. finally played with a little bit of sugar, a little bit of a fantasy. A little bit of sugar. Expression. Yeah. Hey, wait a minute. How many times have you been to Qatar? Twice. Already. Twice. Yeah. And you're going to go again because you're going to be covering yeah. it for BN or if for if yeah. during the World Cup yeah. in, in Qatar, sports. in the lion's yeah. den. You never know until you're on the plane, you know, and, and they, thank God they fly you out on business and first class because that's a 17 hour journey and it takes about 10 days. You don't sleep for the first 10, 12 days, but I, I think it's going to be magical. Would you, do you take Qatar uh, Air? Qatar Air, yeah, Qatar Air. See, I see those commercials, and I'm, I always, I always wonder. That clearly, their service is very good, and they push it, and they have, you know, this state-of-the-art airplanes. And I go, who's going to take right. Qatar Air? I mean, do they fly to Miami? Do they fly to Detroit? I don't, yeah, they fly. Work. They they fly everywhere. And uh, originally, I went out through Philly, San Francisco to Philly, and then a little layover in Philly, and then Philadelphia direct to Doha. And when they flew me back, I went on a straight shot to L.A. And I said, oh, that's better. So the, the second time I went to L.A., you know, L.A. and uh, direct to Doha. But, you know, what's interesting is if you fly, like when I, at a young age, I was playing in France and playing in, in Germany and Denmark and so forth. And you'd have to get off a plane and play immediately. So you learn to walk a little bit in the plane and just drink water and not eat. And I remember a French uh, steward who told me in, in French, he was saying, you got to have a lot of water to um, you got to have a lot of water to uh, uh, to, uh, to keep to, to stay hydrated. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I was getting a call through right there, but to stay hydrated. And um, so I always did that. So I'm on this Doha trip, and everyone around me is having champagne and the best food and everything. <laughs> and, and literally, I was like, okay, you got to be mentally tough. So I wouldn't eat on that whole trip. But on the flight back, then you can kind of unwind a little, have a poco de vino. A poco de vino. Red, of course. Yeah. By the way, yeah. I, I forgot to mention this because I was I was talked to Derek Gray on my last podcast about this, but I'm right. going to Europe, quick little fa family oh, trip, right. and I'm starting in Copenhagen. So I that's I got to talk to you off the air and get some uh, get some. Tips. Yeah, and I, I heard I heard you tell Derek as well. You're going over to Hamburg, right? Copenhagen, well. Hamburg, Berlin, Amsterdam. Yeah. Those are all my spots except Amsterdam. <laughs> and you know, we we one time at when Morten Olsen got fired in Brunby. We had Eva Skogdal was the coach, and we it's were in Intertoto. Yeah, in Intertoto Cup, we had to play. We played a match in uh, Eric Ronaldo's old team uh, in Bochum, right? And um, we took the ferry across. Yeah, I think you take a ferry across, right, from from Copenhagen over into Germany, and um, it was a twenty-hour bus ride coming back from Austria. And, and I remember Morton saying, "That's not professional. It's impossible." You can't do that with a top team. Twenty hour bus ride? It is a right. yeah, exactly. I pulled I'll be pulling my hair out. Right. But you're also you're also Mr. Budapest, which I'm not going to, but I felt like it 
it was close, but maybe next time we'll go on that trip. This is nice. Berlin, I'll give you some, some stuff on Berlin. Some it's an amazing, and you know, I think, I'm, I'm not sure, but someone once told me, I lived in Berlin, my wife and I, and had a child born there. Where they said Berlin is one of the greenest cities in Europe. I didn't know that, but if you go on the Kurfürstendamm, the Kurdam is what they call it. And just think of when you're there, Mario Basler and I were racing home through the cobblestone streets out of the Berlin Stadium every day. We'd be racing to the Kudam. So well, I've been, I've been, I went to Berlin once. It was ahead of, I want to say, the 2006 Six. World Cup. Yeah, because it was obviously the German World Cup. So there's something we did for Nike, but I, 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 I'm looking forward to going again. But uh, that was ahead of a World Cup. We're ahead of a World Cup this time, and we're... I, I bring an American international to talk about this U.S. performance. You already touched on it, that it was uh, very promising against a good team. Hey, before we go in, because I, I was I tweeted last night and I was trying to tell people, I go, stop for a minute. Stop for a minute and think about this result. The United States with this starting 11, which was missing Weston McKinney, who came on later, Gio Reyna, Serginio Dest, Chris Richards, a couple other guys that you've had that you wouldn't that you probably could determine that would probably get into major minutes in a world cup game with that 11 beat morocco 3-0 that's exactly. a score line that resonates anywhere in the world if you're in europe or africa or south america you see that score you go whoa because yeah. morocco's ranked 24th and granted they don't have hakim ziek who i don't know if they're going to have him at the world cup but um that's a really strong team I mean, they have guys that are playing in top European clubs all over the place. Absolutely. And the United States beat them and didn't even allow a goal. So, I mean, that was a, that's one of the best teams the U.S. have beaten in a long time. Absolutely. I agree. And it's the way that they played. It's the way that they came out. And, and I was most impressed with Greg Berhalter, the sense of urgency, the up-tempo game that he was trying to attack. You saw players driving into the space or hitting the axe of the field, uh, you know, and and – Everyone was hitting on all cylinders. There was a mindset. There was a style of play. There was also expression and freedom in the way that they were playing that we didn't see in qualifying. And you and I, last time we spoke, we talked about um, adjusting the formula, you know, to, to maybe uh, accommodate the players that you have, like maybe in a back three. And I still think about that. And I want to get into that. And we'll see if he and does that. They, did a little back, they were a little back three at times. And that back, and that back line came way up as well, which is a little dangerous sometimes. Yeah, they got exposed a little bit, and, and, but it's more of an adjustment or a, a compensation of where the ball is on the field and uh, or overloading certain areas of the field and calling it a back three. That's what they were doing on the broadcast. But it's not like the, the formation. The way you look at it, a formation is when you're in defense, when you defend. And they played a 4-3-3 defending. But I think that uh, there were times that they were pushing, you know, overloading areas. I could see... You know, when you start looking at the talent and really what makes this team the allure or that illuminates on the field is you say, hey, how could you keep this player, this player, this player, this player off the field? You know, we, we want to have them together. For the first time, you saw combination play. You saw improvisation, inventing, mm -hmm. freedom. Uh, Brandon, uh, Brandon Aronson, you can't keep him off the field, period. Nope. Just the way that he opens up space and his interpretation – to run unselfishly for other players is an attribute that you have to have in football. You need players that have that type of ability on the field. So for me, I think he's a godsend. You know, he's a golden boy and Pulisic will love because it's going to open up Pulisic 
and he's going to have a whole nother he's going to have a whole nother expression to his game because of Aronson. Aronson has a rocket ship on his back for the last twelve right. months, going from Philadelphia Red Bull Salzburg, being one of their best players, if not the best player, based on his transfer um to Leeds but you also see a guy going to the Champions League getting to the knockout stages and then making a 30 million dollar it's going he's not taking a step back he's going bang 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 and everyone's expecting him to go to Leeds and becoming a huge contributor so this is a huge development and uh, let's talk about him he made a few tackles I think he had two two or three tackles Tyler Adams I was looking at the statistics 90 90 percent passing accuracy of like you know 48 out of 54 passes made five tackles but Pulisic made tackles, Weah made tackles. And so I've always said that that's contagious. Sometimes it's the first tackle early in a game because these are the players, like we said, we don't want guys wearing the tuxedo and being so elegant that they can't set the tempo or play two-way football. But he... Uh, they got to wear the hard hat. They got to wear the hard hat. He embodies uh, total football, you know, and he, it's contagious when you see that attitude. It, this is the best that I've seen him play through the whole qualifying, through any games that they've played. Now, granted, there were opportunities for Morocco, no doubt. I mean, a few of those were 100% chances that should have been scored and were yeah. not. You, know, I, 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 you and I did a game a long time ago with Ronaldinho and Messi when it was early. Messi, I think, was 105,000 people in L.A. And I remember on the broadcast in the first half, I said, Max, Barcelona still in the plane from Guadalajara. And then the second half, all the cameras came out and Ronaldinho and Messi came out. They scored four goals. So with Morocco, I think that there was a, a lethargic sense to them in the first half, but that was created and predicated upon the, the front foot attack that we saw in the high pressure um, from the U.S. national team. Yeah, that, there was a, I think when they started applying pressure, it was like 15 minutes. The U.S. were in, on good footing. And then from 15 to 30, 35, Morocco pushed. The midfield got overrun a bit. I remember it was Messina, the left back for Morocco, right. had tons of space. And then there was that great chance by El Kabi in the first half where Turner went to his right. So then and they had like eight, eight shots and 20, eight shots on target, 22 shots overall. That's way too much. Uh, way too many. Look at this. But I will say this, and I noticed it right away because we saw how hard it was for the U.S. in qualifying. When they're playing at Costa Rica, when they're playing Honduras, when they're in every game, it's like playing low blocks, having to really break down teams, which they weren't very good at, to be honest. And here's Morocco, leaving them some space between the lines, and they were, they were exploiting it, and they were passing, and they were patient, and it was like, right away, you're like, this is really good, and this is the yeah. way they want to play, and you wondered... Everyone, everyone would say, okay, you're going from CONCACAF to teams that are going to play well. What's that going to look like? The U.S. are going to struggle. Well, to me, it feels like the opposite. This is just one game. We're going to have to see how they do against teams like if they play England or Ukraine, which would be teams that would open up a little bit. But uh, the U.S. looked comfortable in that role, which is really promising. And the getting your best players on the field, bringing Brendan Aronson into the midfield, and it worked out perfectly. And Greg Berhalter, it looks good for Greg Berhalter because he said he wanted to try this. I think Malik Tillman, he wants to do the same thing as a 10. But on that Pulisic goal, he comes across and Aronson shoots out to get the ball yeah. and easily taps that's it a 40, That's a 40-yard right. explosive acceleration. World-class yeah. pace. Right. And that's exactly what Greg Berhalter wanted to see, and it was there in a goal. And the only problem is for Greg Berhalter is now it's caused a problem because for so long everyone said your midfield is McKinney, Adams, and Musa. 
who all play. I mean, McKinney, we don't know, but Moose and Adams played well. But now you go, okay, what's this midfield going to look like? Who would you move out? And I don't know who you move out because those three guys. Are- so, so that that you bring up a great point. What or, or does he come in for a uh, way up? But I like him in the midfield now. No, no, no. I like him in both places. And, and you have to have a formula that's flexible for all the players that you have. And I mean, Gio Reyna hasn't played since the first window and the last window. He didn't speak much. Uh, I mean, he, he didn't uh, he, he didn't play much. There's going to be players that can contribute late in the game in the World Cup that are going to be players that are regular starters and some of the big, biggest and best players that we have in the country. Um, I, I was going to go back to a point that uh, you had mentioned before uh, with, with um, Morocco. Morocco, when, when you look at who they're going to play against, and it looks like Ukraine has a you know, 50-50 chance to qualify on Sunday. Um, I was asking someone from Iran that I do due diligence with on how Iran differentiates from Morocco because they're from the same region. And I had mentioned to someone, hey, Morocco is going to play way better in Qatar than they played here in Cincinnati. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Wait, I heard you what think- are you, Don Shula? <laughs> no, I heard, <laughs> I, heard you, I heard you with Derek Gray say Cincinnati, and I was thinking, <gasps> I was, it reminded me of, uh, of um, uh, when he, the, the one movie I'm just thinking about when he said, give me a Diablo sandwich and a Dr. Pepper and make it snappy. <laughs> <laughs> was that uh, uh, Johnny Danger? Did jo- no. No. Why are you going to throw this out? I'll come back. Give me oh, a Cincinnati. Yeah, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. That's what I said. Like Don Shula ago, when they had a, his his uh, media press, his media meetings, and he go, we got the Bengals this week. We got to go to Cincinnati. We got to play real hard. I go, where the heck is Cincinnati. <laughs> So uh, there's an eye. Am I wrong? We'll talk about Cincinnati in a second. Back to the formula, Max, real quickly. I think that um, he should he should try, even though I thought the, the team was detailed, they were optimized. You can see that there was attention to detail. I think it was less methodical and slow, and it was a little more opening up the flood, opening up the gates, more high octane, letting players play on intuition and on their second nature. And that's where you get improvisation. That's where you get, I mean, you could see uh, triangulated in the midfield. There was always support. There was always balance. So they spent a lot of time in possession. The transitional possession with a direction was there. Instead of just playing possession to go back and play slow, like I told you, that's like a slow battleship moving in Cabo San Lucas. You didn't see any of that. Everything had meaning, impetus, had speed to the game. And then they were allowing players to express themselves. And that's the highest level. That's what this team's characteristic is. So to find a formula, I would play with a back three. And I was looking at some of the players that have that? How would the back three look like for you? Well, here's what I would say. you got to have... Would you play with wing backs? No. It would be a back yes, three. You'd have carrileros, like wing backs, yeah. right? But they're, they could be more attack on. So you'd play with the three center backs. And then you'd have four across the middle. And then two attacking midfielders. But this is the key. The two attacking midfielders, right? Let's say it's Pulisic. Let's say it's Pulisic and um, uh, Brendan Aronson. They have to stay a little wider. So they're not too – with the ball, it's more like a box, like Carlos Alberto Pereira, 4 two, two, two. And then you have one number nine, Ferreira. You could, you could definitely work that with two central mids. Yeah. By the way, I like Ferreira. I know he missed that chance. But just I watched the game again this morning, and the way he moves and he opens – I bet you Pulisic and Wea love playing with him because there was space for them because he moved those defenders away. 
so that Absolutely. those guys could come in underneath. Did you see his first touch? The oh, first great. touch where he just that little shovel technique with the outside of the foot, he allowed himself to create that. Well, yeah, I think that's the number one concern for Greg Berhalter is the center forward. But based on the way Ferreira and Haji Wright came off the bench, and Haji Wright looked like he belonged. He, I like them both. Yeah. He came in, I loved because when he came out, you see this tall striker go, he looks like Jordan Pifok. Is he going to run out of gas? He knew what to do. So he was ready, which means he's been taking the coaching and which means he's been watching this from afar. And he said, how do I get into this team where I can be effective? He did his homework. You could tell. So Exactly, Max. And he's in form. He's playing in the Turkish uh, Superliga and he scored 15 goals, you know. So if, if that's not a league. That's nothing to shun at. I mean, that's high level. He's, I think he scored 15 goals. No, right? he was like the, one of the top scorers in the league. By the way, right. I, I just want to backtrack and get your thoughts on something you brought up. So uh, Morocco wanted to play this game because they can get an idea of how to prepare for Canada, who they're going to play in the World Cup. So when people say that Morocco didn't take this seriously, that's wrong. This was a great opportunity for them to do a dress rehearsal. And this is the way the game looked. This was not Morocco um, going through the motions. There's no, there's, you can't afford it. You can see it on Vahid Halihodzic. He was having a coronary on the sideline. He was losing. Halihodzic has qualified four World Cup teams. And two of them, they fired before the World Cup. You know, he so looked like he was about. I'm sorry, but he looked like he could, <laughs> he was worried about getting fired after that game. Am I wrong? I, 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 I totally agree, and that's typical if you coach, you know, African teams. You look at Henri Michel, the great French midfielder who coached teams like Cameroon and other teams in Africa. It's it's part and parcel that you do the job, and then maybe sometimes it's because the coach hasn't been paid, and he said, "I'm not going. I'm going to find another team like Saudi Arabia that pays me." Um, but this guy's a specialist. You can see in, in his eyes, he was disappointed. They haven't been beaten for 34 games. Quite honestly, I'm going to say this. I didn't like that in the initial part of the broadcast, they called Morocco a third tier country. Yeah. yeah. And, and that plays like a second tier. Hey, give them some credit. They've been to six World Cups. They were very entertaining in the last World Cup in that group with Spain and Portugal in 2018 and they have top players around the world oh, so they're going back 1986 19 the first yeah. world cup i saw they made the round of 16 i think they won they're their group crazy. they've yeah. been the best african team with the exception of cameroon through the years and maybe they're Senegal. very similar to egypt too. yes you know they're very um, similar to egypt but they, yeah. they feel like a european team at the end of Correct. the day they play because they have all these european-based players world-class players which are fantastic and i agree i think our broadcast uh, across the board, we got a little bit more sophisticated with how we talk about these countries, and everyone's got to watch more of these games. Everyone's got to watch. I saw it with Argentina and Italy on Fox, and it's too standard. It's too all one size fits all. It's got to be more dynamic, and people got to watch these games. But we'll talk- the other thing, just to that point right there, when are they going <laughs> to stop? I didn't set saying, you off. No, no, no. Just for a second, this drives me crazy when they say because I used to love to do broadcasts with you, you know. And when they say, oh, my God, Messi, and he's so diminutive to hold off a player. And you're thinking, have you looked at his legs? You know, I used to, Enzo Francescoli used to come into the locker room. He was like a horse jockey, his thinness, and he could hold off three guys on the field. Andres Iniesta, you and I were in the play with him and Xavi. You saw how tall they were, right? Quit talking about size. Yes. This is football, the greatest sport on the freaking planet. Quit talking about size. People keep you know? going like the little master. Look what the little yeah. man. I go, could you stop that? I go, that's the last thing I'm noticing. And what I'm noticing, exactly. noticing is he's shredding through these guys. But I agree exactly. with you, man. And I heard it recently and it bothered me because it was so repetitive. It's like enough. 
We get it. Right. He's not tall, but look at the game. All right. And, it's, and exactly. to associate him with the size, it's like that's that's such a dated like, comparison. You know, one thing I loved about Ray Hudson too, as well, is, you know, and, and I tried to do this, and I think you did it. You would compare it to Barishnikov and you, these artists. You talk the pirouettes and the the transfer of weight and the ability of that coordination and balance and acceleration, you know, that's what the game's about. And fortunately, we have so many great fans in the United States. One more thing, Morocco, I, I know that they've been talking about how many American fans showed up and how many Ro Moroccan fans. Well, these are Moroccan fans that are watching their country. And I just want to put this in your mind as well, because you come from a different background in, in Miami as well. When you watch your national team, it's a pastime and it's a gathering. So you're saying, hey, there's an event here. Let's go together and watch the national team. And I believe that we're a couple of years away. I know that when the U.S. team played in Nashville, there were people from California that were flying out with their shirts to go watch the U.S. team play against, I think it was Mexico they were playing, you know, if I'm correct. But it's a gathering. It's like a pastime. And, and we're right there on the cusp, you know, of that happening as well. Uh, Sully, I, I, I forgot to... I didn't finish my thought before, but I said Morocco's playing the U.S. to get an idea of Canada. So when we look at Iran, the U.S. are playing Morocco to kind of get an idea about that. And Iran, I didn't watch a lot of them, obviously. But when you look yeah. at the match recaps and you look at the highlights, the brief highlights, they go for it in the, the AFC, the African region. With the exception of South Korea, most of the teams, they were a heavy favorite, Lebanon, Syria. But even against South Korea, they were very, they were go forward. They were a team that has some options. And I get the feeling that that might imitate a little bit about where Marco is going to look. So this is great news for the United States. The only, difference, the only difference that I would say with that, Max, is that athletically, this, this version that we saw in the U.S., especially last night, is going to be athletically better in transition. Uh, how Tademi, the forward from Porto, he's a real goal scorer, right? And... Um, he actually was offered uh, to Houston a few years ago for free. Now he's a 30 million euro player. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, so if you get those opportunities that I thought Turner was brilliant, I thought he played really well. You can only stop at the opportunities that come. And a few times it was that, that, uh, that snap header from Sonole that came, you know, that he saved as well. I don't know if you picked up as well. I'm sure you did, but the distribution, how quick he was and how vivo you know, I, I love Turner. that as well. I really like Turner. He's I worked like Turner. on it. He's worked yeah. on it 100%. By the way, the, the U.S. athleticism is going to be a problem for all those World Cup teams. And that's what this game, I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, but this game told me that whoever they play, this U.S. athleticism and pace is going to be a problem for Ukraine, Wales, football, England, good, and Iran. Good, yeah, with good football, with good football. Though, I mean, I, I mean, it's one thing if you say there were certain players that were athletic that, you know, they, they beat a guy on the wing and you'd have to open the door and they'd run out of bounds. They'd never get a cross or an angle ball, you know, and now you're seeing good combination, coordination, short exchanges, pause, rhythm, little pares, wall passes, heels. I mean, you see, last night I saw the expression. So they showed that they can play. Now they look, the question. The they look like they is, took their, they look like they took a cumbersome jacket off. And they were like, right. ah, freedom. And they played that way. It was great. Right. I, I, I agree with you 100%. So in looking at the three matches, and I'm just going to say that Wales has a very similar dynamic to the U.S., um, that athletically they're good. They have high-level players, equally high-level players. You know, when you look at some of, the, some of the star players that they have, we might have actually 
uh, deeper, deeper potential and promise with our players. As far as when you're looking at a group of 26 and the youth on the side of the U.S. as a, as opposed to like Gareth Bale, who's on who's, who's on you know a little up there in age, uh, and then there's Ukraine, right? And, and something tells me just watching the Ukraine the other day, the hunger. I don't know if you noticed the aggressive nature in every tackle in the first 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I uh -huh. mean, and the world's rooting for them, right? I wouldn't be surprised. Andy Gray is in Las Vegas with a Rangers group. You know, he's a former legend, you know, Andy Gray. Of and course. he said, Sully, where can I get the Scottish game? And, and I said, let me get back to you. And I text him and I say, you're lucky it's on ESPN too. And they watch the game and, and uh, you know, he said the whole world's rooting for, uh, you know, Ukraine and the Scottish knew that. And, and I think Ukraine is, one step away from being there, which will be very tough, a very difficult first match for the U.S. if they're playing against Ukraine. For a variety of reasons. I was so impressed with uh, Ukraine and how prepared they were because their coach, Alexander Petrikov, from what I was reading, stayed in Kiev, and he's, he's in his 60s. He wanted to join the Ukrainian forces on the front line. They go, you're too old. So he's thinking about his country, and yet – while still being in Kiev and trying to get together a team that plays all over Europe, you know, Zinchenko right. and Yarmolenko and Yaramchuk, he was able to get them ready. But he was able to get them ready, and they looked amazing. No one could have expected they looked that good. So there's a lot of credit to uh, so the coaching staff on, for Ukraine, including in particular Petrikov. Just on that note, I think there's a fantastic point that you brought up. Is It's a similar freedom that we saw from the U.S. last night. There's, you're right. Ukraine. It's a freedom. You could see it. It was almost like it was almost like they were able to shut off, which is very hard to do as an athlete, to shut off what's happening. Or maybe in this case, it was a great distraction, right? It was like, I don't want to think about what's happening in Ukraine just for an hour or two, and I want to focus. And then they really were able to. Compartmentalize. Yeah, compartmentalize, yeah. but live in that space. Yeah, and that live in that space and there was freedom, but more importantly, there was no fear, you know, or trepidation. And that's what normally gets the best of teams in this situation, the fear. You know, we saw like Italia against Italy. Argentina. I mean, against Argentina. And all I can remember, I think you and I did a match back in Fox. It was the greatest baile. Like they put on un baile with Aymar, Raquelme. Veron, and they were playing in Stadio Olimpico in Rome, and they just put on a huge show of uh, versus Italy, and it was it was a similar type of expression with Argentina. You know the combination play, the feel that they had in the game. And for the first time, I got to say something. Messi actually, for the first time since 2009, when he was playing for Pep and Samuel Leto was still there, the first time I saw him pressing, not just walking around. I saw him actually. He gets it now. Pressing. I want yeah. them. That's the team I want to win the World Cup. Because it's uh, it's because he gets it. And in the last World Cup, he was like, "Put, I'm trying to put everything on my shoulders, which was a mistake. And it, it got away from them. But the, he gets biggest, it. Because look at that lineup for Argentina. It's it, it, Lionel Scaloni deserves all the credit. You have uh, it was Guido be. Rodriguez, Gio Lo Celso, Tagliafico, Tamendi. You know, these aren't game breakers, but they work together as a team. And man, they look really good as a result. They're all buying it. It's about the team for every, it's about the team for Ukraine. It's about the team for Argentina. It's about the team for the United States. 2014, I was at in, in Maracana. I had $1,000 on Argentina against Germany in the game. God darn it, I can't believe it. But uh, Sabella <laughs> took out, he takes out the best player on the field, El Pocho Lavesi, who was an engine. 
He takes him out. He puts Kunaguero, a Kunaguero who I love, walked on the field for 45 minutes in a final of the yeah. World Cup. And Good so eye. that was that's what was wrong with Argentina in that time. They thought the shirt's going to play for itself. The greatest player ever who played for Argentina played for the shirt, Maradona. And now you're starting to see Messi. That's starting to resonate. With yeah, I, they would be what that'd be the best story to see that team. And there's a photo on goal dot goals Twitter handle where they're they're accepting the trophy at the finalissima. Messi's yeah. coming up, and the whole team is looking at him like it's Santa Claus dropping presents. <laughs> it was like they're these eyes wide open. They love him so much, and it just it almost made me want to cry. It was such a beautiful yeah. image. Uh, I know we want to talk Argentina, but let's go let's go back to the U.S. Because this is what we do. We go off on tangents, me and you. It's We're very dangerous talking football. We talked 20 minutes. <laughs> you and I were talking 20 minutes before this even started. <laughs> we can't help ourselves. But uh, quickly, we mentioned Matt Turner. He's the guy now. Because I'll say this. You mentioned the distribution was better. And it's going to get better. And you want him to play games at Arsenal. And he's probably not. But he's going to get two, three months of training where he can learn how to build in the Arsenal way, which is going to help him here. He's got to find some games. But yeah, when you excellent. look at what's ahead for him, a fresh start with Arsenal, which is, you know, for a guy, he was a late bloomer. The fact that he's going there, he's got to be pinching himself over and over again, even if as he's a backup. Zach Steffen, not with this camp, had to leave for personal reasons. Not going great at Man City. You wonder if he's still going to be the this backup keeper there or if he finds another team, but it's a bit in disarray. With, when you put all those ingredients, it seems like Matt Turner is close to locking down that spot. And we'll see if he gets another game. I don't know if he starts Uruguay. I would love to. It'd be good to give Sean Johnson a run there. Or, But I think and it, in the broadcast, they said that Sean Johnson was going to get a run. But as long as Matt Turner gets some minutes again in another game, I think it's his job. Yeah, and, and I think he was quoted as saying he's playing with house money. You know, and that's that that's that no fear attitude. He's going to Arsenal. He's going to be in London. And you bring up an amazing point because the way that they play, whether you're the first or second keeper, you're training daily in uh, a, a meticulous attention to detail from Mikel Arteta in playing with the back. So he's going to become better with his feet. That means he's going to understand the flow of the game and the attempts that come his way. That will only improve him, which already I... I don't know if you picked up on this, but I see a comfort level with the team with him in goal. You know, when they see him in goal, not to say that with the others, they don't have a comfort level. And I know all the keepers are good in their own right, but you, you always look at how the players react to the keeper. One, he's commanding. He's not taking a long time. He's very quick and decisive in his decision-making right now, uh, which is good. And he reads the play. A few things that I saw the other day when Pulisic was on the left side at the beginning is like the first five, six minutes there was a situation where the ball was played back. There was five times in the game that the ball was played back where it should never have been played back. In the second half, in the first eight minutes, I think it, it wasn't, it might've been Musa. Yeah, perhaps it could have been Musa who played a ball back to the keeper. And it was almost, you saw that. It was yep, exactly. I know exactly what you're talking about. If, if you do that in a World Cup, that's a disaster. You, yes. So you just gotta, you gotta clean that up and understand. That. But that's, you know, 10, 15% of things that could be totally changed. The, the, the body of work of what we saw was so compelling compared to what I saw in qualifying that you say, hey, no, 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 there, there's a lot of talent here. And, and that team looks like if they play the right way and the way the group is, that could be a, a fantastic preparation set up for 2026. And actually now I'm seeing like 
hey, there's a lot of quality. If they get the formula right, and this team has to be a quick team. They have to play with speed. Like you think of the Warriors, the Golden State Warriors. When I they thought, break, I thought you talk about the Coney Island Warriors. Hopping <laughs> <laughs> their way back to Coney. Hey, boppers. Hey, you boppers <laughs> out there. But anyways, they, 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 you know, I really think that that's why you called it with Aronson in the midfield. He can play in three or four different positions. He's flexible, and he's a guy that definitely should be penciled in in the starting lineup, period. Punto y aparte. Punto y aparte. Yeah, you need players like that. And that's the way they have to play. They need to play the way they're playing in an attack yesterday. I think all those guys, there was like this interchangeable um, yeah. phenomenon Fluidity. Fluidity. where, where yeah. it was Pulisic here, Wea here, Fereda here, Aronson. Aronson was on the front line sometimes. That messes with opponents. So there are some things about the U.S. They're a fun team to watch. And I said this many times before. Fans who aren't, who watch the World Cup are going to watch this U.S. team and they're going to become fans of them, whether they're in South America or Europe. They go, this is a fun team to watch. When USA plays, especially if they're not playing against Costa Rica away or playing in Honduras, they're gonna they're gonna see a, a team that is up for the up for the roles result. And I was watching the Mexican press, and right. I talked about this result. And they are they sent some tweets or I saw some videos on some of their shows where they're like, well, basically saying, "Why can't we be like that? Why can't we go in there and just this is there was you know, a this is not the best USA eleven, and they thumped Morocco." It might be in a sense in the attack. There was a freedom. There was a fluidity to the play. There was interchanging, understanding, and the nuance. And um, what's the word I'm like? Intuition is the greatest word. That when players word. play on intuition, uh, that's when players are, are in the zone, so to speak, right? Like nobody, I always tell the kids that I coach, I say Steph Curry spends more time like Kobe Bryant did, like Michael uh, Jordan did. But everything he does is on intuition when he's in the zone. And we saw players yesterday that were in the zone. Even Wea, you know, he was coming out of his areas. It wasn't so stagnant. It wasn't so methodical and tactical. It was more free-flowing. And that's when I think you get the best version of the U.S. team. And when you have two-way players, it's contagious. Again, Brendan Aronson just got a $30 million transfer to Leeds, and he's going, bam, crunching tackle, right? Yeah. He's playing two-way, and he's accelerating up. What does that say to the guy next to him? And then, by the way... It's not a friendly. It's a preparation for a World Cup, and it's an audition it's, to win a spot. We can't call it a friendly. That is not it's fair. Not and I was talking to people on Twitter, and they're going, "It's a friendly." Go, no, it's not. This is not your run-of-the-mill friendly. This there is, is to so win a much position. This is a, to win a position in a dream for every player that's ever played the game. So I mean, you're fighting so hard to win those positions, and so this is also detailing for the coach to see who's going to be in the team. You only have six games. Four of them are against decent opponents. And so I think these, these matches matter more than people say a friendly is a friendly is a friendly is a friendly. Bullshit. Well, <laughs> this is a, I'll tell you why this is the biggest game before the first World Cup game, because they'll play Uruguay on Sunday. Uruguay, I'm recording this on a Thursday. Uruguay plays Mexico. They're going to play their first team against Mexico, so they're going to have their reserves against the U.S. So the U.S. isn't going to get a great Uruguay. They'll get a really good Uruguay but they're not going to get the best shot like they got from Morocco and then Grenada and El Salvador. It's not really a prep for the world cup. Those are more get some guys, some minutes here and there to see where they could fit in. If maybe they can make the roster, but this is a, a game specifically to build the 11. So let's go through the 11 and see what we think. Matt Turner's in goal. I think we both agree in large part because of what he did in this game. That's how important it is. And it comes down to the form of the day, right? Right now he's in there. He did extremely well in that match. 
but six months from now or 170 plus days from now, you know, that could be a different story. But right now I would go with you on that. Yeah. yeah. So Anthony Robinson at left back. Reggie Cannon, I thought, played really well. Um, you know his nickname? Anthony Robinson? Jedi. There you go. I just heard <laughs> that. I was like. You just heard that? You're the last one to hear <laughs> well, about no, it, dude. His dad, his dad and I had spoken years ago. He was trying to bring a player to Mexico from England. And the father was kind of acting as an agent. And I said, wait a second. Have you seen Steven Gerrard in California wilting in under 70 degree heat in California? If you send an Englishman to Mexico to play in the force, in the Primera A, they, there's no way. With the altitude, no chance. <laughs> he goes, thanks, thanks for that, mate. Maybe I'll just send him over to France. <laughs> That's a good story. I like that. Uh, going to the back line, <clears throat> Reggie Cannon, it'll be Sergio Dest at right back, but the midfield has got to help the right back because remember those moments where Messina had 40 yards. So yeah. as much as the U.S. midfield wants to go forward, they got to be careful and protect Dest because he's not the best defender. But that said, Dest will probably start over Cannon. And then Zimmerman, and I, I thought Long was solid, even though he's he's like the guy that they're picking on. Um, what about Richards? Chris well, Richards. Chris Richards, if Chris Richards is healthy, I would put my back line would be Robinson, uh, Zimmerman, Richards, and Dest. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. We're, we're, we're building uh, the November correct. 21st team. Yeah, I think there's another one I have in there, too. As Cameron well. Carter-Vickers, uh, Eric Palmer-Brown are there, but I think it's they, they're playing to make the team. And they'll. I like Carter-Vickers look great. He could be like that fourth defender. Um, yeah. Because right now the Palmer, pecking Palmer order Brown is Palmer Brown is pretty quick too as well. You're yeah. gonna need and he played some right back as well, so his versatility will be important. If they're trying to impose themselves in the game, up tempo, uh, pressing, and so forth, you got to have quick centered backs in the back. I still think he's not going to do it because he's very Dutch. Um, Berhalter, he'll play a four-three-three. Yeah, because I, I, I like what you said about the wingbacks, but realistically, right. he's not going to make a huge shift at yeah. this point, even though he made some shifts on this game, which was uh, refreshing. I would, love to, I would love to see against Uruguay if he could play, you know, with three and then four across the middle, two attacking midfields like uh, Brandon Aronson and Pulisic and then Perea up top and play with two wide carrileros because you uh, wide players and just see how that works, even if he does it for 20, 30 minutes. And I, I got to give credit, you know, Lucha Gonzalez, is one of his assistants, Anthony Hudson. Do you know much about him? Yes. He worked with me. Yeah, the Rapids. Yeah, yeah. But he coached at Bahrain before that. And he's a really fascinating guy. You know, he, he took a lot of stick when he first came with the Rapids. As I say, where did that come from? But he, his father was a famous player, you know, uh, in England. And then he coached Bahrain and did extremely well. Um, he was, he's a Marcelo El Loco Bielsa, like fanatic. You know how some of those guys, they just study Marcelo yes. where he went to Argentina, right? And went and met him at his house and spent time with him. So, Brilliant. I mean, I, I think that you could see, I got to give uh, five points out of five for the staff in this preparation for this particular match. I mean, they didn't miss a beat. Midfield's going to be tricky if they do a 4-3-3. I would, I would. That's tricky. Yeah. Adams is probably going to have to be there. And then would it be McKinney Aronson or is it Aronson Musa? Well, so what I was thinking is if you had Aronson could be one of the attacking mids, if you play with two attacking mids and a forward, you know, closer to the goal, and then you can fit in a guy like McKinney if you needed him. But, uh, you know, McKinney's coming off a broken foot, right? In yeah. the Champions League. Well, we're, ta let's and talk we're talking about November, so we're hoping everyone's healthy. And 
Yeah, but he's a different dynamic. I it prefer, is. That's a big I problem. The, I it's a big problem. For me, I like I like Aronson in that position. I but like you, him too. You know, the only thing is, like, to use the Spanish term, when you want to revolutionize a game and introduce a player in the second half, you want a player that's going to bring attack, like, bring the acceleration of the game higher up. If you bring McKinney into a game late, he's not going to revolutionize the game. He's going to play at a slower tempo. So normally when the game's more methodical and it's, it's fighting in the midfield, that's when he would get the start. And then you would add someone that has, you know, a different gear into the game. So it might be Wea that is actually out. But then you'd play, you wouldn't have Aronson coming from a deeper role, which I thought was brilliant because of his speed. That's that's a master stroke. I I agree with you 100%. It's a master stroke. I would tend to think that Aronson's still going to be the odd man out, as hard as that is to say, because I think he's performing as consistently the best player we have. I disagree. I think he's going to be in. He's going to be in? He's got to figure out where. I mean, you know, he reminds me a little bit of Joe Max Moore, a little when he first started, a little like Joe Max but he's got even more cutting edge, you know, and I mean, his upside is just unbelievable. Well, Max. Let's uh, let's, let's leave the midfield as is Musa okay. McKinney Adams. And let's say Aronson for Wea, who could still provide a pop off the bench. And then Aronson Pulisic and the forward, I would stick with Fededa. Although I think it's a good competition between him and Haji, Wright. But Fededa, I think works better with others. Correct. For now. All right, so we got our we got our eleven for November the twenty first. We did it, Suli. Congratulations. Thanks, but I'm still going to a back three. I take out <laughs> one of those defenders, and I would add I would add him add I another attacker in there. Yeah. Hey, we, we before we wrap up here, uh, we do want to talk about Cincinnati and Christian Pulisic was very critical about not having American fans, and there were a lot of ambulance chasers on Twitter saying there were American fans, there were Moroccan Americans. You go, you knew exactly what he meant by that. Should he have chosen his words better? Sure, but he meant U.S. men's national team fans. I before I heard those words, I wanted I was watching that game and saying this atmosphere is terrible. I just watched the atmosphere in the finalissima. I watched the atmosphere between Ukraine and Scotland. This was miles below it. At one point, the fans there sang for two minutes, Piano Man by Billy Joel. And I was, <laughs> I wanted to crawl in a hole and die. I go, this is so lame. And I love the, I love our supporters, but there was a malaise because there's been too much in Cincinnati. There were 20,000 instead of 26,000. This is on US soccer. You got to go to places where we have one of the best products in the world. That team is exciting. And it whether it's lowering prices or whatever, I'm so glad Pulisic said that because it's one thing when we say it. It's another thing when he says it. He's like, this isn't good enough. That's awesome. I love that he said it. And I don't know if it's going to get fixed, but you've got to find places which where you're going to get atmosphere, especially for a game like that. If it's not U.S. fans, shoot, get 26,000 Moroccan fans or neutral fans in there to watch this because that was that was for a game of that magnitude that was pretty depressing no i agree with you and we're watching Kristen uh, uh pulisic grow up under our eyes you know in the in the post game he's with hakimi his old teammate and they're hugging and, and the they're le- by the way the leadership to give haji right the penalty all of that was yeah, a all of that. step up in leadership and, and i think a lot of ex-us national team players have asked for personality right character and personality and he's showing, he's demonstrating his personality. You know, I, I, I like it. I, I applaud it. And whether the words come out, the words never come out right. No, you but know? then why hold him, at, I know, why right. hold him yeah. at, at, at stake? I mean, I saw Grant Wall send a tweet. He goes, there were plenty of Americans. I go, come on. 
There's other well, people the I, same I way, and there's a big it. argument about it. They go, why are we talking about this? We're getting away from the, the gist of it. Come on. Yeah, and, and the other thing is I was texting with, um, you, you know, we just did an interview, both of us on Telemundo. One of the producers who set it up had said, I, I had said how well the U.S. had played, and, and she had said, yeah, they played extremely well. The only thing is there were tons of Morocco there and not enough fans. So she had said that as well. And, you know, when you, you play... There's not much you could do about that, I guess. Well, We've no, got here's to work what as I a... see. Back in the day, the players would look at, and we'd go play a game in, in uh, Texas, and we played Monterey. You know, we played 50 games against clubs, not national teams, because when Los Arociana had the team and, and Bob Gansler, sometimes you couldn't get national team games. You'd be playing clubs. And we'd play a Mexican club and 40,000 fans would come and there'd be 39,500 Mexican fans in Texas. And so we always got used to playing in those environments. And what happens is it gave Christian Pulisic an edge before the game to say, hey, let's, let's make this happen. And I believe that that's the best thing. I'm tired of entitlement in this country. I like where, where players have an edge, where they're fighting. The, the, the word that they use is chip on the shoulder. I don't usually use that but when you have a damn edge and you want to play and the u.s had an edge last night that's so, a so great, it's great. So Lee, that's a great point he said that at the end of the game but it it bothered him at the beginning he looked around and goes what is this and he got upset and it exactly. came out in his play clearly because he was awesome absolutely dude this it felt like 10 minutes but we've been talking for an hour so. <laughs> well next time next time what we do I'm doing a working, you know, for, for being sport, I'm doing deep dives right now on all the opponents. So uh, if you want to go through really deep, we can go through Iran. We can go through right, Illinois we'll on Sunday. Yeah. Let's, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get together. We'll precap each of the teams once we know who the other team is. And by the way, we got to do it in L.A. because we have Giorgio Chiellini coming here. So we got to go have a Café Correcto a la Sambuca. We got to show him Beverly Hills. I'm looking forward to that. And we got to go to uh, number 10 restaurant. Number so, 10, Del Piero's. In fact, what I, if I were you, I'd bring Chilini to Del Piero's and you should do a little interview with him there, bro. That I'm sure he's already going to go, but let me talk to the LAFC folks. No, make a, that happen, man. That's that a great idea. Great. You're my that producer awesome. here. Christopher right. <laughs> Sullivan, one of the best in the business. Great in our sport, doing so many things on so many levels, including on air here, but with coaching and uh, a really good friend of mine always like to talk. And I know I love having him on here because you, the listener, get a lot smarter. We'll talk soon, my friend. You're too kind. Love you, bro. You're the best. All the best. No Take stoppage care. time this week as we focus on this, but you know the drill. Soccer OG. Like, subscribe, leave a comment, rate and review us. It makes a big difference. I appreciate everyone tuning in. And uh, we'll be back after the game against Uruguay. We'll keep going. Then I'll get my tips for my vacation off we're running. Until then, Placido Domingo.